me saying representation matters and I, I believe it saves lives, I really think it is going to be what changes our Indigenous communities because there are so many of us now out here doing all the things where our, our next generations can see us and they can see themselves. Yeah. Welcome to Mission Critical, a podcast about the big picture, the purpose, and the values that drive today's most game-changing companies, entrepreneurs, and leaders. I'm your host, Lance Chung, Editor-in-Chief of Glory Media, and I'll be introducing you to a group of brilliant minds who are making an impact on the world and forging the path ahead. While they may all be very different from each other, the question remains the same. What's your mission? Thank you so much for, for taking the time to speak with us today. Um, I'm going to just go right at the deep end with the first question. What's the most cherished memory that you have around feeling beautiful. Tonight's all about talking about beauty and you know your, your journey starting a beauty company. So what is your favorite memory around feeling beautiful? I think it's probably only within the last couple of years and in, into my 40s where I finally just recognize that it is a feeling. It's not necessarily what anyone, including myself, is seeing on the exterior, but it is certainly an internal feeling, and I always feel the most beautiful when I know um, that I'm doing things that not only make me feel good, but there's certainly other human beings involved um, giving back. It's just, yeah, it is definitely a feeling. It has nothing to do with the exterior. However, Yesterday, I touched up my roots and put makeup on for the first time because I was like took a holiday in July, and I really was like came back to the office and was like not wearing any makeup, maybe lipstick. That was that was about it. But I did like a full face yesterday, and I had those roots touched up. I'm like, oh my gosh, who am I? <laughs> so there are those moments, right? When and both like, things can be true. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And what was your first experience that you can recall? Uh, with beauty growing up, a lot of people talk about, you know, watching their sisters or their mothers get ready. What's your first experience around, or memory around beauty? Yeah, I, this is so going to age me and everyone in this room looks so much younger than me, but um, one of my favorite shows when I was a little girl was Solid Gold. And I wanted to be a solid gold dancer when I grew up. That was my aspiration at the time. And I have no rhythm. If you've seen our Instagram or TikTok, you will clearly see that this, this girl has nothing there to give. But I try. Um, and I remember just thinking they were the most beautiful women that I had ever seen. Yeah, yeah. And was there a you know, particular item or ritual that was really the thing that opened your eyes to what beauty and style could mean to a person um, beyond, you know, a product on a counter or, um, you know, a lipstick or, or, you know, was there something that spoke to the bigger concept of beauty to you? Yeah, and in, in all honesty, it was probably the early days of Cheekbone when I was starting to think about, wow, like business and mine in particular, certainly in the beauty category or in the beauty industry, but business can be about so much more than the actual product. The product is just a vessel for something so much bigger. And I, when I think about the reason why Cheekbone Beauty exists and, and all the things that we want to do to support our community, I'm just using lipstick, right, to, to get there and, and to make those other big things happen. Um, but that's what is incredible about business. It's like it can be, there's, there can be, it can be really a power for good. 
a, a vessel to, to carry on kind of your message and your mission, which I definitely want to want to go into in the interview. Um, when I was doing research for this, I've, I was reading that you were raised largely by your mother who is not Indigenous. So how did you connect with your culture and heritage growing up? What was that experience like discovering that? Yeah, I did visit my dad. He lived in we he lived in native public housing in Scarborough. And so being from Niagara or St. Catharines as a young girl, I would like literally take the Greyhound when that thing still existed. I don't even <laughs> think Greyhound exists anymore. But back and forth on, on weekends and visiting him and and as I've gotten older and have connected to my community and my culture, I recognize all the things he was trying to teach me. I just wasn't paying attention as a kid because you don't realize, you know, going in after a feast, which is just a family meal in some cases or a holiday, and you're in the woods and you're bearing your food. And, and I knew he was praying and I didn't understand at all what was going on at the time. But now as an adult, I recognize what he was trying to teach me about honoring who we are, where we come from, and about always giving back to the land because it gives so much to us. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so much of your brand ethos at Cheekbone is built around transparency, which you also extend to your personal story when you talk on social media or other events and sharing what your journey has been like and how that has impacted the trajectory of your business as well. Um, you've been sober since 2014, so how is that moment, the moment that you decided to make that change, really pivotal to the founding of your company in 2016? Oh my goodness, yeah, I like love talking about this. I'm like the proudest recovered alcoholic you'll ever meet. Um, it was like, cheekbone does not exist without that, that sobriety, that, that path, that journey. And then when I think about just my life now, um, it is just so, like, I, it is the best life ever. Like, I cannot believe that I, it took me so long to figure uh, sobriety out because I was 38 when, when I did get sober and it's all, I'll celebrate nine years this November, but it's just, it's the reason, yeah, thank you. I always love that part. I feel like, I feel like I'm at an AA meeting. Yay! <laughs> no, it's just so amazing. And, you know, I really love the world that we live in right now because it's becoming the shame, I think, side of it is what actually kept me sick for so long. But we're removing that by platforms that we all use, like TikTok or Instagram, where people are talking about that. And, and it doesn't have to be for everyone, but a lot of us really do struggle. And it is a real disease, and it, it, it can take over your entire life. But yeah, Cheekbone would not be here with, without that path. And, and I think I have um, a position where I have the opportunity to be really open and honest with my community about that. Um, and it is so important because, you know, not every Indigenous person does have a problem with addiction. Um, however, we know because of generational trauma, because of what's been passed on through us, because of the residential school system, because of colonization, that addiction uh, is a band-aid to much deeper issues. And, and sometimes that's how it, it plays out in many of our lives. And the more we can talk about it and share with people that there is a different option. Um, and, and I feel like I really have a duty. As much as if you would have met me literally 10 years ago, there's no way in a million years I would be sitting in a room talking about um, being a recovered alcoholic. But I think it's really important that when you that when you do overcome that mountain like obstacle that you share it with others and um, and, and hopes that they might hear something that is hopeful to them because when you are struggling in addiction, it can literally be the most hopeless 
painful experience of your life and you feel like you're totally all alone. And I know I would pay attention. This is crazy as it sounds. Chef Maddie Matheson was talking about his journey and I was still struggling. And I was like, he's being open about this. And, and just be, me listening to him was part of me getting along. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, building on some of the things you said, you talked about how your grandparents were put into the residential school system and the generational trauma that was passed down as a result. So how did understanding your history really help you move forward in life as a, an entrepreneur as well, as a person and as an entrepreneur? Yeah, that was huge. I literally describe it as not feeling whole my entire life because of not understanding the past. It's because I was trying to ignore it and pretend that I was, there was nothing wrong, that there wasn't an issue. And the moment I was reading, it was 2015. I was not, uh, I was just early in recovery and I was just learning about the residential school system and the impacts it's had on, on so many of us as first people and really knew that that was my grandparents' experience. And I'm reading the, the TRC. This is the final report from this Truth and Reconciliation Commission. And it was released in 2015. It's like 500. I, it's a massive document. And I, it took me a really long time to read it and go through it. But I sat there one night and I would just, and I was literally in this place where I'm like, oh my gosh, like this explains everything. I am no longer going to be ashamed of who I am and where I came from because it wasn't me or my family that caused these issues. It was this colonization like let's just call it was it what it what it is and it, it was you know a country being built on lies and and unfortunately that impacted so many of us in so many negative ways and yes that is the past and there's so many things we can do to move forward but we can never move forward none of us no matter what trauma our families have we don't have to be first people to have trauma but unless we actually address and heal and talk truth about the issues from our past none of us will heal properly moving forward yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, fast forward uh, a few years, can you talk about, you know, the reason why you started your brand and kind of the origin story behind it? Yeah, so I was selling fish at the time. <laughs> I have no experience in the beauty industry whatsoever. Um, I have a, a, a background in hospitality and then in sales and marketing in, in food sales. And it was Two months after I got sober, I had this dream, January 2015, three native little girls covered in lip gloss, and that's all I remember. But I woke up, I grabbed my laptop, and I was, it was so stinking real to me that like this was the next thing I was gonna do. And how crazy does that sound? <laughs> I was selling fish, I knew nothing about the beauty industry. And I would walk around and tell people, yeah, I'm starting a cosmetics company. Like they must have thought I was like absolutely <laughs> nuts. But I thought about it afterwards and this actually is really important, you know, if, if we have family members that have overcome something or we're struggling. I recognize now that my family and friends were just like, She's not drinking. And if she thinks she's gonna do and build this company and this is keeping her sober, then let's let her just keep doing it. So <laughs> I'm really glad they never said anything. But um, I was so passionate about this idea of just us seeing ourselves, like that little mm. girl in me that never felt represented whatsoever. And we know now, like we say this at Cheekbone Beauty all the time, we believe representation saves lives. And I, I say that personally and from my heart because I lost my brother BJ to suicide in 2016, just before launching Cheekbone Beauty. 
but one of the, you know the happy memories I have is him sending me DMs or any message. If there was like a native person doing anything cool on the continent of North America, I would get a message about it. And I thought about it recently, the show in the US, Reservation Dogs, became so popular. And I was like, if my brother was alive, he would be like sending me messages all the time because these these kids, these the producers, the whole cast crew of this show is on red carpets and they're in magazines. And he would have been so proud and not only of that this being complete native real representation, but the fact that um, he would have felt seen. Yeah. And then I and I thought about it so um, so deeply that I I was literally in my office the one day and I was like, this is like I've been saying representation matters for all of these years and it was in, in that moment that I actually connected the dots for myself. I was like, this is why like he would do that because he felt seen. And then I had this incredible experience um, in June of last year when we had this campaign with Sephora. And this little girl who's Anishinaabe like me comes into the Eaton Center and we're putting blush on customers. And she was just so happy. And, you know, I remember thinking that night driving home, I'm like, again, having that moment, I'm like, this is it. This is why this matters. Like her and her little brother are never gonna question what's possible for them because they just met somebody who looks like them, who comes from the same community they come from, who has a brand available in a store like Sephora. And that's where, like, for me saying representation matters and I, I believe it saves lives, I really think it is going to be what changes our indigenous communities because there are so many of us now out here doing all the things where our, our next generations can see us and they can see themselves. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's, you know, being reflected and represented in media is, is one thing too, but I think also, you know, seeing yourself and your community reflected through the lens of joy and success and victory and, and uh, all those things that, you know, even if you are seeing yourself in media, it's not always the best way as well. So I think that's you know also very very important to to, um, to acknowledge as well when we talk about representation too. Um, you started Cheekbone in your basement with five hundred dollars, which is what I read. How did you learn to be a beauty entrepreneur, especially with a career selling fish? Did you you know you how did you learn to even from like a formulating the, the actual product itself to packaging, you know, it's a completely different business. So where did you learn to be a beauty entrepreneur and acquire that skill set? Yeah, oh my goodness, this is, this is, it's insane. But believe it or not, I think our industry, the barrier to entry is actually really low because there's so many manufacturers because of globalization around the world now um, that have products and that they could put your logo or your brand on it and you can call yourself a business and that can happen relatively quickly. It's, it's private label, white label, th those are the terms that they use and it's become so popular because like even like drop shipping all of those concepts because of like Shopify and, and the, it, having a business is not as challenging in that way as if you were to manufacture your own product. Now, when I learned how easy that was, I was like, okay, well, this isn't the dream business I want to start. I was able to find a supplier that was actually right here in the Toronto area, and I knew the products were being made in Canada. And I thought, okay, it's not the packaging I love, it's not the formulation I love, 
but I only had that $500. I don't come from like generational wealth and I didn't have anyone to ask for money. And I thought if I could just prove that this idea could work, then maybe somebody would believe in it as well and want to invest in this business idea. But let me start like this. And that was really challenging because sometimes I think we think we have to have everything perfect and ready to go. And, and if I never started that way, I honestly don't think we would be where we are today because no bank was going to give me money. No investor was going to give me money. Again, I was selling fish. They're like, you're not a celebrity, so you can't start a makeup brand and you, 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 you don't have any experience in this field. And then so started that way and really quickly, like the first year, second year, we were already doing six figures in sales. I was still working my full-time job from that corner in my basement. And I thought, okay, this, like we're on to something here. Like now I gotta figure out how to make the products that I really wanted to make. And it was really based on this idea of truly becoming sustainable. That's a whole, like, that's a conversation we can have another yep. time in a, like, it'll take a couple weeks, but <laughs> what is sustainability and what does that mean? But for us, a cheap component meant really thinking about a supply chain, ethics, morality, my indigenous roots involved, like, what did my people do and how did they treat land and taking things from the land? And so those were the concepts that we wanted to include in, in our story about sustainability. Um, and we, we did. And I gratefully, thankfully, because of those first few years where we could prove that we were onto something, I met some investors that were just starting out themselves. They're, it's Raven Capital. They're an indigenous-led VC fund here out of Canada. And they believed in this idea that we could work on making better products. But what that included is something really crazy. Um, it meant I wanted to build a lab and I wanted to hire a chemist and I wanted to work with sustainability experts. Um, and again, like that having no experience in those fields, it's, it's kind of nuts that I now employ those people and we do have a lab and we do create and work on our own formulations. And um, yeah, it's been an insane ride, but we're, I'm really proud of the work that we've done in that field. So not only are we in this beauty space that is so competitive, because if you walked into a Sephora, like how do you even choose a brand, right? It's, in, it's nuts. Um, but we're working on really cool things. Like our headquarters is in St. Catharines. And right now with the winery, Henry of Pelham, we're taking their waste and extracting actives from that. And we've proven that you can put actives that come from grape stems, skins and seeds into future products that we wanna make. And, and the reason we did this whole path in terms of innovation was because I knew that this industry is so easy to copy. Our ingredient lists go on our boxes, so any decent chemist can reverse engineer a formulation and say, oh, that's how they make their lipstick, right? Um, and I thought, what, what will really set us apart is this idea of actually making our own wrong ingredient that is exclusive to cheekbone that no one can copy, and that would be our ingredient that's gonna go in all of our products that no one could ever copy. I mean, that is, a remarkable story. Um, I think that was, uh, deserves a round of applause. Um, you know, so, so from starting from your basement, fast forward to 2021, and you've just announced that you've signed your vendor agreement to get Cheekbone distributed in Sephora Canada, which is no easy feat. Um, what was that moment like for you, and how did, how did that come about? Yeah. 
Oh my gosh, like I, I was thinking literally the moment they called and said that, talk about like floodgates of tears because the backstory is I had applied, our company had applied to be in their accelerator program and they rejected us. And so there was a flood of tears that day as well, but more like fetal position in my closet because I'm like, how did I not get picked? It was like so depressing. But of course you just pick yourself up and, and continue on. But they rejected us for that, but I kept emails and stayed in contact with their VP of merchandising in Canada um, and their director of marketing. And I said, look, you guys said you love the brand and you love the idea of the brand, but you didn't love the products. And the reason why they didn't love the products from that, that um, initial application for that accelerator was because, again, they were under that private label that anyone can do, right? And I said, here's an idea I have. Um, I want to set out to make our own products with our own chemist and our own formulations. And they said, get started and send us samples. And so then for years, literally, I would send samples and just get emails back like, nope, <laughs> this is not it. And we would just keep trying and trying. And then I didn't hear back from, from them after sending one sample for a really long time. And it was January of 2021. And I got a message and that we wanted to have a phone call. We had the call and they're like, we want to launch you in our .ca in September of 2021. And I was like, oh my gosh, like freaking <laughs> out over the .ca. Now I would be like, no, we're going into stores yeah. first. But I wasn't going to be overly cocky at that moment. I was like, okay, let's just stick with this sounds great. So yeah, no, huge. Like Sephora is like the creme de la creme, like mm -hmm. the pinnacle of the beauty world. They are the largest beauty retailer in the world. Um, and to be able to work with them and learn from them and talk to their teams and figure out how to do this, because we don't know what, like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, let's be real. I honestly don't. We're figuring this out as we go along. Um, and they've been incredibly supportive to help us uh, build the brand that we know the world, that they know more about beauty than I do technically and our team does and so we really lean on them and, and then now grateful we we have uh, hired lots of help that knows more about beauty than me. <laughs> well and it's also about finding the experts if you yourself don't feel like the expert exactly. yourself as well, right? Um, and besides Sephora, like what are some of the big milestones that you're really proud of in terms of how the business has grown? Yeah, um, so this past July, which is just like what, this has been a whirlwind of the past, we <laughs> just launched in 609 JCPenney stores in the United States. Wow. And so that was the biggest PO, like our small little brand has ever seen. Um, mm. Like to see, you know, a seven figure PO is nothing didn't know those existed, <laughs> but they do. America's just massive, like it really is. And that's, you know, as a Canadian company, you really realize it's our, our cousins in the South. We, we, if we wanna grow great Canadian businesses and so many great Canadian businesses do that, yeah. they find incredible partnerships in the United States and we're really grateful to, to learn from this organization right now. And um, yeah, it's been an, an amazing year, uh, so much learning for sure. And now, you know, once you get on a shelf, it's not any of those retailers' jobs to sell our product. 
technically, right? We want to work with them to make that happen. Mm -hmm. So as a brand, now it's we were a dot com, as a, sorry, a D to C for so many years, and now we've you know become omni-channel and have all these different styles of distribution. And so we're trying to figure out the retail world at the same time and how that works with two different kinds and styles of organizations. Yeah, yeah, sounds like a little daunting, but <laughs> learning as you go. Um, why do you think traditionally indigenous founders are often left out of the beauty industry in the beauty aisle? Hmm. Wow. I have a lot to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think that whole story where they don't think we still exist is really real. real. Like I'm having heavy conversations with a couple major United uh, US retailers right now that on their drop down section have Black-owned brands, Asian-owned brands, Hispanic-owned brands, but don't feel the need to put an indigenous category there. Like that is, it's just so simple to me, mm -hmm. but they don't even think we exist still to add that. It's, so it's kind of crazy there. So there's, we have such a heavy lift because it's like we have to educate everyone at the same time is building a business so not only are we like doing all the remember i don't know what i'm doing with the business side of things and now i've got to tell everyone why it's important that we're there too like it's really it is it's a big big challenge and that's why we rely so much on our allies in our communities because we need the world's support to help us do this because we only make up five percent of the global population so globally indigenous people are 370 million that's not a lot when there's eight plus billion people in the world and you know what i think it's honoring who we are as people because in that five percent we as Indigenous people actually protect 80% of the world's biodiversity. And that's because culturally we have this innate connection with land, no matter what community we come from around the globe. And I think if we invited more Indigenous people to tables and conversations, instead of maybe being afraid or unsure of who we are and what we're all about, like that invitation is so meaningful and we do need we need our, the support of allies, certainly. Yeah, and I also think that, you know, while the Indigenous community might make up 5% of the population, it's not to say that your products are only catering to the Indigenous community. No. It's anyone that, you know, loves your brand Absolutely not. Well. A friend of mine who has a brand in the U.S. Uh, coined this, and I've stolen it from several times, that Lancome was never just for French people, and neither is any of those other friends. Vogue is not just for French people. Yeah. So, no, cheap home beauty is for everyone, every human being. Yeah. Um, you are of Anishinaabe heritage. What are the core tenets of Anishinaabe culture that speak to your philosophy and perspective on doing business? Yeah, so how our community or our people talk about our life is we say it as like, it's our ways of knowing and being. Um, and they're based on something that we use to actually, when I discovered these and started learning more about them, they were called the Seven Grandfather Teachings. And they're really just incredible values and principles for life. And one being respect, like of course, what an incredible, um, core value for any business and so we've incorporated all seven of those into the core values of our company and we really talk about it like regularly i always say love is one of these seven grandfather teachings and for achievo beauty what that means to us is love is about doing things for people that could never pay you back and that includes our colleagues on our teams that includes our community 
that includes all of our customers and and it, it, I always say it sounds kind of fluffy, but I'm like, what if in my head, I'm like, what if we really did always honor these like and lived by them, like humility? It's really hard for some of us that have, like our science team maybe sometimes is less humble than they should be. <laughs> <laughs> they do know a lot more than I But it's important to like, I always say there's no matter who you are or where you come from, there's something that someone can teach you regardless of their education level or their, their sort of stature in life. And, and we, if we behave that way every day together at work, then our community and our brand is going to exude those things. And so we work really hard to add all of those, those things into, yeah. that, into the business. Um, and how do you think, you know, through the lens of Cheekbone and using Cheekbone as a vessel for the larger dialogue, around culture, how do you think Sheepbone Beauty challenges any existing narratives that exist or misconceptions around indigenous people, indigenous culture? Are there, is there anything that you're trying to dispel um, or is that a part of the mandate as well? Yeah, maybe not um, as like the foundation. I'm like, yeah, this is what we're going to, but when I think about it now, I'm like, of course we want people to see that we are modern people, that we're not, you know, I think sometimes people get stuck in that old Hollywood version of what a native or indigenous person looks like, but we are modern, modern people, we all look different, and we don't all look the same, and so there's a lot that we're like hoping as a brand by the, the types of models and the people that we use in campaigns and, and uh, different can, styles of campaigns that we have that, that people can see us in a, a more modern version of who we are, but we're so, so innately connected to our old ways. And I think we're living in a time in history where maybe we do have to start to pay attention to old ways, because I think our new modern ways in terms of environmental issues, um, we, we've made a lot of mistakes as human beings. Well, and if you look at the, the news from this past year, just even the summer alone, it's very obvious that that's true. Um, now, Cheekbone offers an array of different uh, products that are clean, vegan, and cruelty-free. And in 2020, you launched a line of low-waste lipsticks called Sustain. How, just for anyone that might not be familiar with the beauty industry in general, how wasteful are lipsticks and beauty products in general? Like, what, what are we talking about here, and how are you really trying to have a conversation about that. Yeah, and being really honest about it and mm -hmm. transparent. So we talk about sustainability not as a silver bullet. There's not, and what happens in our industry, and you'll, if you start to, you'll notice now, because I've said it to you, um, in, in you, as that always happens when you hear something and then you start to see it all, but there's mm -hmm. a lot of vilification that happens, right? Like plastic, bad, no, or like this ingredient and without explanation or context, which we love because we have a team of scientists that answer all of our online questions and our social media questions and our, our, from our community and anyone that has anything to ask us, we will give you a full answer and provide you context surrounding reasons why we're choosing to do things in different ways. And, and so I think it's important that you look at the whole picture. Like there's, it's such a big picture and it has to be done holistically that there's not a black or white answer. It's not always going to be right or wrong. And, and that is because um, there, it is just such a, it's such a, a huge topic and, and for us as a brand, it's really important to make sure that we share uh, exactly how or why we're making a decision at that moment based on that 
formulation, the packaging style we chose. Like if we were to say all plastic is bad and people assume that we launched a primer stick, 100% of that primer stick is from PCR, which is post-consumer resin or recycled plastic. It is all monomaterial, and that is a second life to plastic. Because if we're saying no to all plastic right now, what is gonna happen to all the plastic that we've already consumed and added to the environment, which isn't going anywhere. So if we figure out how to do something with it, so it's, it's really about understanding why and how. And we had to do it with primer, with this primer formulation, because our primer, the, the main ingredient was actually water, and water evaporates, and we tried it in paper. And you can imagine paper being porous, and the formulation is going to be greatly impacted if you were to choose that path. And so what will happen for our community is we'll explain to you exactly why we're making this decision at this moment in, in time. And that it is going to change. This is definitely a journey. There is some incredible genius person right now who's coming up with packaging made out of mushroom materials, algae materials. Like this is our world needs this in order for us to try to do things better. But it also has to recognize because this whole concept of everything being all natural just means we're robbing from the land. You can't just rob from the land and expect, oh, it's natural, that it's it's technically better for us. And so we hear so much misinformation in this beauty space. So what we want to do is just provide open, honest answers. But again, it's 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 never super simple. And what the marketing world has done so well is created terms like clean. And, and now everyone's so confused about what that even means. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. What does that even mean? Yeah. And a lot of greenwashing that happens. Oh, my goodness, yes. That yeah. could be a whole other yeah. conversation. That's a different show. Um, <laughs> So cheekbone, you know, what I have loved about seeing um, the brand as it grows is also the marketing campaigns that you put out into the world. Um, can you talk about some of the big ones you've had that have also raised awareness for indigenous causes, like, um, you know, safe drinking water? Yeah, well, I'm so proud of some of these. It's like, and we, for the hashtag lost over campaign we won two huge major beauty awards in the u.s for that which i had no idea was going to happen but that that those are sort of the side incredible things that happen no monetary value or anything but it was just like wow we're being recognized by these big big u.s outlets and organizations so we came up with this plan which i will give all the credit to the marketing people because when they first brought this to me i'm like Absolutely not. You guys are crazy, right? <laughs> so we had this PR box created, and there was three lip glosses inside of it called E. coli Kisses, Mercury Shimmer, Luscious Lead, and they were made to look icky, like mercury, lead, and E. coli water. And in this beautiful PR box, and we were sending it out to influencers, and the whole purpose was you wouldn't put that on your lips, so why should anyone in a First Nation community that doesn't have access to drinking water, why should they have to do that, right? Um, because that's how our water is contaminated, including my family's reservation, which is Northwest Angle 33 in, in Ontario. And uh, it was just this moment where I thought, okay, we can say no to this, or we can we can see if this works. And at the very least, if, if one person learns that this is still a problem, then, then so be it. And we just, you know... It's so frustrating. I don't know if anyone watched the news today or yesterday, but I happen to have it on, which is so annoying, and I almost always try never to listen to it, but a mayor somewhere near a First Nation community got caught, recorded, talking about how we wouldn't take care of a water treatment plant. 
well, Water First, the organization that got $45,000 from us from, from that campaign with Sephora's help, um, they actually teach our Indigenous youth and our next generations how to maintain water treatment systems. So we are actively, as Indigenous people, solving for maintaining water treatment systems, just to correct that. Mayor. Yeah, yeah. And I honestly, I, I do uh, encourage everyone afterwards to look up this campus because it is honestly so brilliant and just, it, it's very powerful. So, um, yeah, I, I was very moved by it when I saw the, the press release in my, in my inbox. Um, zooming out a little bit, um, what do you think is the most interesting thing happening in here today? Oh my goodness, I feel like people are feeling seen, like no matter what community you come from. And, you know, Sephora is an organization and a corporation, but they are really doing a good job of making everyone feel seen and like they matter. And that, it, it is going to change people's lives. It really is. There's, you know, obviously suicide is something that is so um, near and dear to me and my, and my purpose in life. I know so many communities, you know, that becomes a, a, an issue for so many people because they they don't want to be in this world because they don't feel like they belong. Um, and and when organizations are now helping people feel seen, that's huge. And, and what can we do as outsiders um, is, I think, just continuing to do our best to support and tell those stories. And, and building on that, what excites you the most about emerging indigenous talent that you're seeing, not just in the beauty space, but just across the board in culture and business? Oh my goodness, I have two incredible friends sitting right here, Chelsea <laughs> and Leslie, who are indigenous business owners and creatives and and, and so much talent. Um, and yeah, it's, it, it, it's so heartwarming and, and so awesome that we can in spaces and in rooms together and, and watch each other grow and see all this change happening. Like, we know, I feel this way about Cheekbone and, and probably these, these ladies feel the same way, is that, um, you know, we are literally the seeds that are have been planted and we're starting to sprout and grow and it will be years and years from now that, you know, our next generations are literally going to enjoy the shade of the trees that we were helping. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Um, I was talking about, you know, earlier in our discussion how often with a lot of minority and disadvantaged communities, so much of the discourse centers around trauma, which is very important to obviously acknowledge and showcase, but it's also important to focus on joy, celebration, success. What are you most proud of in the work that you're doing right now? Oh, the messages that I get from Indigenous girls like that is just so heartwarming I was at an event in Vancouver in the spring I can't even remember where I am now in place but I think it was in the spring and um there's layers is like this version now of indigenous dragon's den um and it's on APTN and so they're doing it I think they do it seasonally right just like dragon's den but one of the girls that was on the show apparently said she has her own lash company, and she told the producers that she wanted to be the Jen Harper of lashes, right? And I was like, never, in, like, you never thought you'd be inspiring someone yeah. to say something like that. And so it, it certainly feels super special. And, and just knowing that, like, no matter how big this gets, cheekbone, 
uh, and of course we want it to be global and huge, but like just knowing we're making an impact in the littlest way is just so meaningful. Yeah, yeah, that's incredible. Um, just being where you are as a business and an entrepreneur today, if you could go back to day one where you're in the basement, what what's what advice would you give to that Jen Harper? Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's just a real entrepreneur talk because it's so hard. Yeah. Like it's so hard. Like some days you're just like crying and it's awful. And so my daughter, we were on vacation this summer, and my daughter brought the book uh, Shoe Dog the lengths yep. to read, right? And she, I literally saw her tearing up a couple times while she was reading it, and then she finished it, and she was like, like, Mom, like, you are literally like Phil Knight. He's like thinking he's losing the business one week and has no money and cash flow, and she's like, all of these things. I didn't even think she was listening half the time when I come home, and I'm like, that's it, it's over, it's done, we lost the company. And my husband talks me off the ledge, and then I go back, and it's the next week the same thing. So I had no idea that these little ears were listening. She said that she's just starting business school at Rotman in, in next week or the week after, but um. Yeah, she's been listening the whole time, and she was like, I finally get it. I finally get it. After I'm like, oh, you had to read his book to get it? <laughs> she's like, well, the good news is maybe you'll be as big as Nike one day. And I'm like, I hope so. Yes, <laughs> yes, definitely. Um, what's your definition of glory for you? Glory? That's a I've never been asked that before. Glory. I really want to learn how to dance. <laughs> I really do. I've wanted this since I was a kid, so I think Glory would be like my, you know, like the scene from Flashdance? Like, the shoulders. Like, I want to relive that moment. If I ever get to do that, that would be Glory. I know, but it's nothing to do but that's it. You know, we all have our own definition. <laughs> um, and then just last question here. We talk about mission and purpose a lot. So what is your mission? What's your big picture for Jen Harper? Oh my goodness, just to know, because it is, oh my goodness, it is really hard, but just to know I did everything I could to, to inspire, sorry, my community. Thanks for that. Yeah, yeah. see very very evident that the work you're doing is, is so impactful and you know people that are here tonight are going to walk away knowing a lot more about your business if they don't already and um like you said planting seeds right um well thank you so much for your wonderful insights and your time and another round of applause for this chat and thank you everyone for for joining us again for another another edition if you enjoyed this episode we'd really appreciate it if you left a review on apple Podcasts. let us know what you liked who you'd like to see on the show and anything else you want to share to keep up to date subscribe to our podcast on apple Podcasts, spotify or anywhere else you listen to your podcast until next time ask yourself what's your mission